Hey friends, uh, welcome to South Bend City Church. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. Uh, before we get going with anything else, uh, I just want you to know uh, that we are honored that you're here with us. Whatever it is that you've been carrying with you this week, whatever your story has been, uh, whatever the things are that you've told yourself about yourself or that others have said about you, um, we believe that you are full of the dignity of God and we are thankful that you are here with us and we hope that you find this to be a time and a place full of God's grace and peace in the midst of your week. Uh, today feels like we are in the midst of a time of transition. Uh, one, because the sun actually came out yesterday, so that, so that feels like a change. Uh, but there's a lot of transition uh, in other ways as well. And that actually gets me excited. Uh, it fits with my personality a little bit. And I know for some others that change can be a little more difficult. Uh, but one of the things we talk about here as a church, one of our mantras is fields, not factories. And when we say fields, not factories, we mean a variety of things. But one of the things we mean by that is that there's goodness in seasons, right? The, that uh, the change of seasons and the change of times and the changes of opportunity is good in that it shapes us and forms us in different ways. So just recognizing this is a time of transition for us in a number of ways, uh, and I'm excited to see what it is that God has for us and what are the things, uh, that, what is the goodness that lies ahead. Uh, one of the areas of transition is just in our church life. Uh, Jason, our lead pastor, is beginning his sabbatical now. So we're actually like one week through the sabbatical already. So uh, time flies, right? Uh, so be praying for Jason that this time is good and meaningful and restful uh, and refreshing and invigorating for him and that he's able to... to uh, rest and grow and learn a lot in that process. But I'm also excited for us because we're beginning uh, our time of getting to hear from a lot, of, a lot of different voices as well as a church. And so this week, we're starting a six-week learning series uh, with Beth Graybill. Beth has been a part of our teaching team for a little while now, so we're excited to have her wisdom back with us. And a dynamic duo of Beth with Shannon Martin. Shannon has spoke with us once before. Uh, she's a great friend. She's an author. Uh, her and her family live in Goshen. Uh, where she's an author, a speaker, and a neighborhood practitioner. Uh, I became aware of Shannon uh, when I was doing my neighborhood work in Keller Park. I feel like it's been a decade ago uh, that I first came across Shannon's work. And so she has been a, a helpful person for me to learn from and find solidarity with. She has a book coming out this fall on neighboring. And so Beth and Shannon are going to lead us in walking through neighboring over the next six weeks. Can you join me in welcoming them? Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, South Bend City Church. Shannon and I are so excited to be with you all this morning. As we were um, preparing for our time together um, here this morning and over the next six weeks, we were talking about how it was that we first got connected. And Ryan, you were actually part of that story, Ryan and Robin. Um, I think it was maybe 2019. Don't you guys feel like with COVID years, you're like, when was that? Right? It just like all blends together. So I think it was 2019, and Shannon and I got invited to a dinner party. We had a mutual friend, Rebecca. She's a part of our community here. Um, Ryan and Robin Yeezel also know her well. And so Rebecca just pulled together people that she thought would blend well together um, based on our stories, our life experience, um, where we had been, where we're going. And so I had the privilege of sitting next to Shannon at dinner. And as we're sitting there, we realize, like, you know, my, my family had just moved to South Bend from Southern California a few months prior. And Shannon's family is from Goshen. They have a stint on the East Coast, which maybe that'll come up in conversation. Um, 
But, you know, our paths had never crossed before. But sitting at dinner together that night, we realized that we had some pretty special friends in common, one of them being Shannon's literary agent. Now, as an author, a literary agent is someone you typically work with um, as you move through the publishing process. So Shannon and I realized we had this really special friend in common, and that just kind of cemented our friendship. I don't know. Do you remember anything else from... That no, I agree. Okay. It, it was just, it's one of those moments where we have these throughout our lives where these, these seemingly small connections, um, they happen and we walk away feeling like, oh, this was, there was more at work here. It was one of those moments where it was like, you know, serendipitous. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then we tried to get together and then the pandemic hit. So yeah. I kind of feel like we're still in this like new friendship, yeah. budding friendship mode because we haven't spent a ton of time in person yeah. um, together and we've never co-taught together. So if we're a little awkward this morning, we're just going <laughs> to lean into it, right? We're okay Bear being awkward. <laughs> um, you guys are okay with us being a little awkward. And um, so we're going to start a six week series on how to live as neighbors. And we're going to talk about some pretty important things like how do we actually pay attention where we live? Um, how to lean in when it's hard, right? Like we've got a lot of relationships, especially in this season, that just seem hard. So how do we lean in when it's hard? How do we listen? We're often good at hearing, but are we really good at listening? And um, we're going to talk about those things, how to let go and be present and just how to live as neighbors. Um, so this six-week series is actually a really special um, opportunity because Shannon wrote a book that's coming out in October um, called Start With Hello, How to Live as Neighbors. And we actually have a picture of the cover. Now, I have to tell you, Shannon was hesitant for us to pop this up here because she does not want this to be about her. But how special is it for us as a community that we actually get to hear from the author about her heart song on neighboring six months prior to this book actually makes its way into the world. So that's where some of our materials coming from. We're going to get to hear some from some other voices in our community as well as we talk about um, how challenging it is sometimes to lean into neighboring. Um, real quick, quick open floor. When you think of the word neighbor or neighboring, what word or phrase comes to mind? Anyone? Proximity. Fences. Yes. There's one over here. Mr. Rogers. He set the bar so yeah. high. That had to be said. Thank you. Right? <laughs> Fantastic documentary, you guys, if you haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Anyone else? Cup of sugar, mm -hmm. yes, and hospitality, hospitality, yep. Sometimes annoying. Yes. Sometimes annoying, that is the truth. I was going to say, right? we're, being, we're being very charitable here. <laughs> are, there any, are there any hard words that we think of mm. when we hear the word neighbor? That's one of them. Weird. Mm -hmm. Weird. <laughs> awkward, I would say awkward. Nosy. Nosy, Nosy. yes. Loud. Yep. Any others? All right. Shannon, how about when you think about neighboring, like what comes to mind for you? And you've had a lot of time to think about this. You've written about it. What comes to mind for you? Yeah. So just as a small point of backstory for us, my family moved into the neighborhood where we now live in Goshen about 10 years ago. Although I feel like I've been saying 10 years ago for like three years. 
I don't know exactly how long it's been. Um, when we moved into the neighborhood, we understood quickly that we were on a crash course to really learning what does it mean to live as neighbors. We had never been in a particular place where we thought much about that. My husband and I were both raised in more rural contexts um, where our neighbors were mostly soybean fields and things like that. And so now that we were in a neighborhood, in a really beautiful and complicated neighborhood, we had a lot of learning to do. So that's what kind of launched this process of trying to figure it out. You know, here we are, now what? Was sort of the, the sense I had. And so I began writing more in earnest. I wrote my first two books at that point. Um, and then this book came along. And this book... Wait, tell them first how you got started writing a book. The, the name of your original blog. I love this because it, oh. it speaks to your transformation, <laughs> I think, it as does. a person. Thanks, Beth. <laughs> no, I love this. This is important. I started blogging before I became an actual author, a published author, under the blog name Flower Patch Farm Girl. <laughs> it feels very far away at this point. That is not who I know you to be, Flower Patch <laughs> Farm Girl. A lot has changed since then. I do still really love flowers. So there's that. But yeah, so, so I went in from blog writing into book writing, and I found myself writing, you know, I think a lot of authors do this, a lot of, we're all creatives in one way or another, and I think we're all, like our creativity is coming from this place often of what am I living and what am I kind of learning into? And for me, I was trying to figure this out in real time. I wanted to know what does it look like, why does it matter to be connected with the people around me, or does it matter? And if so, what should that look like? And so my first two books came out. This third book, Start With Hello, is I wrote it because even after two books where I felt like I was talking a lot about community and neighbor, mostly through the lens of story and faith, I still always had people coming up to me and saying, okay, that's great and all, but like, how do I do it? What do I do? And I would sit there thinking, I just wrote a whole book about this. What do you mean? How do I do it? It had to be broken down more. It needed to be more accessible. It needed to be more practical. It needed to be more granular. And so this next book that's coming out, I also wrote, I made the decision to write it outside of a particular Christian faith lens. Because the reality is if we're going to learn to live as neighbors together, that's for everybody. And so I wanted, I wanted that to be a wide gate. So this series is fun for me because even as I wrote it more, not as a Christian book, but as a book written by a Christian person, um, it, it was evident to me that so much of, of this journey to learn what does it look like to live as neighbors really is informed by my faith. It's informed by the life of Jesus. I didn't necessarily write those connections, but we're going to talk about a lot of them here over these next weeks. Yeah. So Shannon, like I'm sure there are a lot of us, including myself, you know, I've had my own neighborhood experiences. I would say Matt and I um, really learned how to neighbor the first time we lived in a community that was a walkable community, yeah. meaning everything was within walking distance. Um, the grocery store, our kids' school, um, Matt's job was just a short drive away. Um, our neighbors, the people that we had the most proximity to, literally were in walking distance. We learned 
so much about neighboring from that experience, and that experience shaped the way that we chose to move into new communities when we moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, and then when we moved from the West Coast here to South Bend, that really shaped our decision um, with where we were gonna live in South Bend. So, like, how do we neighbor? You know, I, I, I'm still learning. How do we neighbor? Yeah. So that, that's what we're going to be talking about for the, these next several weeks. As I started trying to figure this out myself, there was a core scripture that I began to see as really the nuts and bolts of this. If we're going to connect this conversation to our faith, if we're going to believe that this, that this really does matter to the heart of God, we, I needed like a roadmap, and so I, I came to see or to notice the, the verses in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 5 through 7. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. What that is basically telling us in a nutshell is it matters where we are planted the place where we are standing, the place where we are rooted, it matters. And so we don't know if we're going to be there forever, but as long as we are in this particular place, we will plan to stay. Until we're told to go, we stay with intention. Beyond that, it tells us that if our neighbors are not free, then we are not free either. And so these verses became really the undercurrent of what I was learning, what I was living, what I was failing at many times, but what I was committed to, committed to understanding this practice. Living as neighbors really does start with hello. It starts at this low-level place, this really easily reached place, this accessible place, It starts at a place that is so simple and so small, we risk missing it. We we tend to, to think too big sometimes, and those big thoughts can be scary for us, and so we just retreat. You know, it can just be easier to pull into our attached garage and go into the house, and nobody ever really even has to see us. And right now, as we're waking up to spring, you know, that, that's, that's easier to pull off in the winter. But if we're not really careful, we will begin to live our lives that way. We will begin to believe that the, the place we are in and the people who are physically around us are of no consequence to us. It's not our business, and we will keep to ourselves. And if we do that, we will be missing out. Shannon, what about those of us who are like, gosh, I spend my whole day connecting with people in an extroverted environment when I tend to be a little bit more introverted, like my home is my safe haven and I don't have extra energy for neighbors. Like, tell us a little bit about like how you define neighbor because you have a very, 
I would say, generous perspective on what it means to, to be a neighbor. Yeah, I think, I think our physical proximate neighbors should be a connection point in our lives. That does not mean that we should be necessarily planning vacations with the people around us, although I think that would be really cool <laughs> in some cases. Um, so so to, to kind of bring it down to street level, I just think we should know their names. And I, I believe this. I mean, th- this might make some of you uncomfortable right now already. I just think that's a good place to start. We should know, pick five of the people who live closest to you and learn their names. Um, beyond the people closest to us, I think of neighbor as anyone whose life intersects with my life. So, hi, neighbor. <laughs> We are neighbors now. I think as we move through the world, we are neighbors with the the checkout person at Kroger. We are neighbors with the crossing guard that we drive by every morning, whether we have kids in that school or not. The people around us, the faces around us, reveal the goodness of God to us if we are paying attention. And so while neighboring starts with something as simple as hello or knowing a name, that begins with paying attention. We cannot love what we don't know. And we cannot know what we don't really see. So as we're kind of rolling out this idea of what does this really look like to live as neighbors, why does it matter, all of these questions, the place we have to begin is with paying attention. Yeah, you know, I confess to Shannon as we were talking about this, like, gosh, I have the worst memory right now. Like, that has not always been me. But did you ever hit a stage where you're like, oh, like, I don't remember things the way I used to remember them. And I told her, I'm embarrassed. I don't remember my uh, neighbors, all of my neighbors' names. But I have this one neighbor. She doesn't remember my name either. She just says, hey, neighbor, every time she sees me. Right? And so now I remember her name, Teresa, but she's the one who just calls everybody neighbor. Then she doesn't have to remember her names. And she's so friendly because she just, like, she lets the name thing go and just calls everybody neighbor. Yeah, I love that. We just had, did you all experience um, activity in your neighborhoods, wherever you happen to live? Were people just out yesterday? More that, like, you're seeing people that you haven't seen for months. My neighborhood was. I mean, my neighborhood ended in fireworks last night. I was like, oh, so we're starting this now? (laughs) I mean, 4th of July starts really early in my neighborhood, but I don't know that it has started in April before, but that's how we were rolling. But as we were kind of, you know, we were walking in the neighborhood more, there were cookouts happening all around. We were invited to these cookouts. And as we walked down the back alley, one of my neighbors yelled, hey, neighbor, and she does know our names. But that is a, that's a worthy connection point because there is just something meaningful and beautiful about knowing I live in a place where I am known. It does not have to mean that they know my deepest secrets. It doesn't have to mean that they know, you know, the tenets of my theology. But they know me. They know where we are. And in a perfect world... I think that is the good life, that we know that the people closest to us would have our backs when the days get hard, because they often do, and they might, and we just don't know what the future holds. Uh, Somebody said to me once online, on social media, somebody I don't know, but she made the point that when the worst days happen, 
our neighbors, our physical neighbors, the people closest to us, are often the first people to know. If tragedy strikes, it's the people closest to us that are, that, you know, if an ambulance pulls up, if a fire truck pulls up, if a police car pulls up, any of these different things that might happen, they, the neighbors around us essentially are the first responders to our soul in a perfect world. I even think, like, even if an argument happens, right? Some yeah. of us live so close to our neighbors that they can hear everything yeah. that goes on. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, <laughs> so that's an like, excellent point. Yeah, <laughs> not just in emergency, but even in just the tension of everyday normal life, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, the, the reason this matters so much is because it is through these connections, it is through this practice of beginning to really get detailed about paying attention that we build empathy for each other. I was talking to somebody this morning about how in her neighborhood, there are sort of competing flags happening. This is a new thing, at least in my mind. We have the same experience in our neighborhood. It's like you, we end up in places where we are physically positioned between enemies, air quotes, enemies, just like we sang this morning. What does this look like? How do, how do we do this? How do we care for the people around us when everything feels so divided as we begin to, to embrace the practice of paying attention that builds our empathy for each other? That when I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. And as that empathy builds, whether we want it to or not, connection builds as well. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that this actually builds on the things that we've been talking about the last six months, right? We've been in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been talking about how um, the kingdom of heaven mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount is this idea of God living God's life in us and through us and how um, sometimes it takes time to, to be able to see like, are we bearing good fruit in our lives? Are the people around us bearing good fruit in our lives? And it takes connection and empathy for us to be in proximity with people in a way that allows us to live this, um, this life of God living God's life in us and through us. And so I think that this is not only important for us to talk about today, but it's important um, for us to think about where we've come from these last few weeks as we've been talking about these things as well. So, yeah, we'd just love to hear more of your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, so when, we, when we think about this idea of what does this have to do with Jesus, I think a lot of us might be familiar with this idea that there's a thread throughout scripture where Jesus is basically telling his neighbors, the people around him, while he was in bodily form walking on this earth, love God and love your neighbor. It all boils down to this, love God and love your neighbor. I think part of the, part of the magic of that is that as we love our neighbor, as we learn to love our neighbor, which we know means that we first have to learn to see our neighbor, our love for God builds out of that in many ways because we are experiencing the goodness of God through the people around us. This is, this is the, the incarnation, you know, that Jesus came in bodily form to be near us, to show us the way, and now, because we are living the resurrection, 
Living the resurrection means that we get to go out into the world as image bearers of Christ ourselves, that people around us ideally would see God's goodness in our faces and in our lives and in our practices and our bodies and our experiences, and that we would do the same for the people around us, with the people around us. So as we begin to really see each other, it connects us to God. There's a, there's a particular scripture in John chapter 20, and we'll go ahead and read this together. This is just after the resurrection. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. This is a scripture where we see in real time recognition happening. We see what it looks like to two people in their physical bodies seeing each other and what that means to them. I know in my faith tradition, I was taught to prioritize, not, not maybe in so many words, but I was taught to prioritize remembering Jesus. We talk a lot, you know, in the communion story, do this in remembrance of me. Remember Jesus. But we are not taught to recognize Jesus. What if we began to look not so much at just remembering Jesus as, as though he's this faraway memory, this important person in history, and began to position ourselves to recognize Jesus in the people around us? I think it, it would make all the difference in the world. I think it would change our lives. Shannon, can you just talk a little bit about what that looks like for you? And just so you guys know, I'm throwing questions at Shannon that we haven't necessarily talked about. <laughs> um, so I just am curious, like, what does it tangibly look like for you to recognize Jesus as you mm -hmm. see someone? For me, it's about, um, it, it just sounds, it almost sounds too simple. It is to just see the people around us. We can get so caught up in, in the hustle of our lives, in the activity that we are living, um, in our, you know, we, we've, myself included, I read all the time, but we've become sort of skim readers, shallow readers, and that, that connects directly to the way we're reading each other. 
And so to get out of this sort of surfacey, quick, hurried, moving on to the next thing, this inward focus maybe, and to begin to really slow down and take time to see the people around us by first seeing the place we are in. I think there's a really important connection point between noticing our physical world and then as we begin to kind of commit our place, whatever, I know we're all in different places, we're in different contexts, wherever we happen to be planted for right now with intention, to begin to really earnestly see that place as beautiful, whatever it is, and in all of its complexity, as we begin to see our place as beautiful and to notice it and to kind of ingrain it into our bodies, we begin to see the people in our place as important to our lives, as important to our connections, as, our, as important to you know, the ways we see and experience God. I'm going to give just a quick example. One of the things that, that I started to do at the point that I, that I knew this was kind of the path I was on, I was learning as I, learning in real time, learning as I go. I want to get better at paying attention. I want to get better at loving my neighbor, living as neighbors together. We don't really want to neighbor anybody. I don't want to be neighbored, but living as neighbors together is sort of a different story. Very, very simply, I just started taking walks in my neighborhood. There was a particular alley that I started to notice or connect with as I started taking these walks. And it was just a very simple place located inside my, inside my neighborhood. Um, and I started to just pay attention to this one little, kind of like a little, you know, we talk about dropping a pin. I don't... I've never dropped a pin in my alley, but a mental pin. Like, this is just going to become a regular part of my, my, my pathways through the world. It became sort of a, a, a location that became important to me. And so, at the risk of sounding a little kooky, I think it matters very much that we take a moment every single day to pay attention to the sky to notice what's happening in the clouds. The sky belongs to everyone. To notice what's happening there, to notice what's happening down at street level. And so I'm not being metaphorical right now. I'm saying very literally, pay attention to the sky over you. Pay attention to the, to the ground beneath your feet. Pay attention to what's happening there. Shannon actually has this beautiful picture of her alleyway. Um, this is a fun side note. When COVID hit, actually, Shannon was one of the last teachers that we had here in our community prior to COVID. Um, and so when COVID hit, the team wanted to do something just to thank her. And because of her alley pictures, <laughs> there was a team member who super sleuthed and figured out where she actually lived in Goshen and dropped something off because this is a regular part of her rhythm, posting these beautiful, beautiful alley pics. But but connect the dots for us. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you post these beautiful pictures. You pay attention to the sky. Like, mm -hmm. how does that help you not just, like, neighbor? I love that distinction yeah. that you made between, like, you're not out to neighbor or be neighbored. <laughs> right. You're out to, like, live as a neighbor. Yeah. How does this connect the dots for you with neighboring? Yeah. 
This picture, I actually went, went back in the archives to find it for this morning. This is the first picture I ever took of the alley, which means nothing to all of you. To me, it, it was like, this is amazing. This is like the origin story of the alley. I found it. I took this picture in 2017. So I had lived in my neighborhood for years at that point, but this was the, this was the first time I was like, this is a really beautiful alley, a really beautiful location within my neighborhood that a lot of people, a lot of people, quite honestly, would not quite have the eyes to see my neighborhood and parts of my neighborhood as beautiful. And I think we could all feel that way no matter where we live, no matter what our neighborhoods look like. It becomes just sort of general kind of white noise, visual white noise. This moment began this process for me of I'm going to make sure this place matters to me. I want to memorize it. I want it to be muscle memory for me. And so how does that connect to actually loving people and connecting with people? I have a quick story for you. On one of those morning walks, I used to have kids at the elementary school up the street. I don't anymore. They've all, um, they've all graduated from the elementary school. But on what, often on those walks to and from school to drop kids off, I would, you know, this alley was kind of part of that journey for me. As I began to just be intentional about being in my place, taking pictures, finding it as beautiful, all of these different things, I met a particular woman. She lived in my neighborhood at the time. I was drawn to her immediately. I met her through like a PTO event or something like that. We both had kids in the school together. And we said hello. We started with hello. And then over the course of years and years, over slow, slow work, over encounters that were very unspectacular and not really, you know, these early encounters wouldn't really make for a good story. It was just basic people connecting in a place, sharing a place. We became better friends. We ended up spending time in my home, in her home, and then she disappeared. Her life, you know, the pandemic happened. Her life took her to new places. Her family moved. They moved to a new community. We lost touch with each other. Less than a week ago, I got a text from her out of the blue. I haven't spoken to her in years, and she said, how's your family doing? We started texting back and forth. I found out that she is going through cancer treatment right now. Um, she has four little boys at home. Her life is, is challenging in ways my life has never been. And honestly, it's challenging in ways my life will never be. And so I ended up sharing on Instagram, because this is part of the work that I do. This is part of my job, weirdly enough. I ended up sharing a simple story. I didn't share any of that part with, with the people who follow me on Instagram. But I shared that I had an opportunity to take a meal to somebody who was going through a hard time. It was this particular friend. As we spend time in our communities, noticing each other, looking each other in the face, learning each other's name, or just being committed to, hey, neighbor, that is no small thing. It's all in the soup. It's all connected. We become more aware of our physical world, and by extension, we become more aware of the people around us. Those small, seemingly you know, unnoticeable encounters build into an actual life of connection. 
And when the chips are down and when the days are hard or when the days are really, really good, those can be the people that we turn to. My favorite, favorite tip, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this more in the coming weeks, my favorite tip is to be the one to ask for help. And that's exemplified in the, in the really short story I just told you, was that this friend of mine reached out to me when her life was at a low point. She didn't say, will you please bring my family dinner? And the dinner I took them, by the way, was very unspecial. We can keep this bar low as we show up for each other because that is what matters. But it begins with with paying attention. It begins with those early hellos. It begins with those really small moments in time that build into a life of connection. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's easy to hear what Shannon's saying. For some of us to think, oh, that's so simple. And then there are others of us who think, yeah, but that's still really hard for me. Like, I'm awkward, or it feels awkward, or it's just really hard. And what I love about um, Shannon in conversation one time when I said that, I was like, yeah, but it's still awkward sometimes. She's like, yeah, but if you don't name it, then you don't lean into it. So, like, if this is hard for you or it's awkward for you, Like, you have to name it so that you can lean into it because it will be. It will feel clunky. Um, Shannon has this fantastic quote in her book that I love that we have up on the screen here this morning. And that quote sounds like this. There's no relationship or friendship or bonus parentship that doesn't start somewhere thimble-sized. A hello, a shared laugh. And I just think that that is, that's where we're at this morning. Like this is, we're asking you to do something thimble sized and recognizing like, who are you paying attention to, right? Not just who are you remembering, like this beautiful story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, who are, not just who are you remembering, but who are you actually recognizing? Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, I like that you, that you did mention the awkwardness factor. We cannot overstate it. I and most of my family, we are wired as introverted people. And it is a, you would assume maybe you might make the assumption that after writing now my third book about this concept of living as neighbors and connecting meaningfully, that it's become easy for me. And that is not true. I have to push myself constantly. I have to push up against all the self-talk we do like. You know, when we have when we have ideas, we get those those nudges to do something for somebody or to just say hello. And what we tell ourselves is like, they're too busy. I don't want to bother them. They're gonna feel awkward. You know, we we make all of our excuses and we wave the moment away and we go back into our houses. I struggle against that all the time. All the time. But Beth is right. If we don't just acknowledge that as part of the process and normalize that. That for most of us, I think, this is going to be a little uncomfortable, especially at first and maybe forever. (laughs) But that when we we push ourselves to, to move through that, there is something beautiful on the other side. Because I can tell you, anytime I've had to push through those feelings and like do the thing, even though I felt really wonky and awkward and I'm just all the things... I have never once come through the other side of that and thought, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That was a waste. That was dumb. You know, we push through these very human feelings, and what we find on the other side is more human feelings. 
we find another human who also feels awkward and who also wants to live a life of connection, who wants to feel the safety, the really unique and hard-to-explain comfort and security of living in a world where we have these loose but meaningful connections with the people around us. Those things matter. Yeah, the rest of that quote that from your book, you talk about how, like, don't throw away the pleasantries because they're actual seeds. And it makes yeah. me look in some of your faces. Um, I think, like, my dental hygienist is sitting in this group, and we have these little fun exchanges of pleasantries that over time have blossomed into this really beautiful relationship. Like, I actually look forward to going to the dentist now. Wow. it's <laughs> 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 <That's> amazing. <laughs> You know, so don't throw away those pleasantries because they're seeds. Yeah, here's the rest of that quote. A quick helping hand viewed through the lens of enduring friendship. These aren't throwaway pleasantries. They're seeds. They're seeds. And so I think our encouragement to you all is actually to pay attention. So throughout the next six weeks, we're actually going to end with a practice every week. And our practice this week is just simply to pay attention. Mm -hmm. Notice, like, who are you paying attention to? What are you paying attention to? Um, pay attention to the sky. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about yeah. paying attention? I, I brought another image of, of the ubiquitous alley that I've been talking about. I've made it a practice to visit this alley. I visit it all the time. But around once a month, I try to take a picture in the same exact spot. It's right by a doctor's office, by the way. A doctor's office where my family has had appointments before, and I've had people say, wait, are you the one who stands out there in the alley? I'm like, yes, that's me. This is part of the awkwardness. It's fine. They, they seem to be fine with it. But I stand in the same place and take the same picture. I've done this now, I mean, starting in 2017, now it's 2022. I've got a lot of these pictures of, of the alley. And we notice the way something stays the same, and we notice the way something changes. And as the world around us changes and stays the same, I change and I stay the same. And if we can't begin to believe that this physical world connects with us in really personal and meaningful ways, we're just missing out. So that's a, that's a particular practice that I would recommend. You can, you can, you know, try it with me if you, if you'd like to, there are some other folks online that have tried, picked up that practice and it's really special to them. I have watched that little shed collapse. I mean, over time, things just continue to change. And there's this feeling of like, I'm still here. This place is still here. These people, some of them have come and gone, but we're all still here together. Find a particular anchor point somewhere near you, somewhere, you know, in your everyday life. And, and just decide to, to fall in love with it. Decide to notice it and see, see the ways that it changes you. Yeah, my experience with hearing Shannon's stories is that this isn't just a picture of her alley, but there are stories connected to these seasons that she's taken pictures of this alley. So it's more than the alley, but it's also not appropriate for us to snap pictures of our neighbors, right, all the time. Um, so pay attention. Pay attention to the physical world around you, and in doing so, be mindful to pay attention to the people who are in that physical world, the people in proximity. Um, if you are an Instagram or social media person and you think that this is really fun and you start to follow Shannon and notice all of her alley pics and you want to join in, 
Um, feel free to share your pictures with us with this hashtag South Bend City Church SBCC start with hello just for fun if that's the kind of person you are and if you're not like then that's not for you Um, but that's our encouragement for you this morning is to start paying attention and not because it's just like the good neighborly thing to do but because it's actually the way and the wisdom of Jesus that Jesus recognized people he paid attention Mm -hmm. Um, the people who were most deeply connected to Jesus they were people who didn't just remember him, but they also recognized him. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, that would be my encouragement as well. Just find opportunities. I hope this sticks into our brains a little bit this week. What does it look like to pay attention to this particular place? In the words of Barbara Brown Taylor, it is not necessary to take on the whole world at first. Just take the three square feet of earth on which you are sitting, paying close attention to everything that lives within that small estate. So may the grace and peace of God be with you.